0: Hello and welcome to the Midweek. I'm here with Pastor Sam, and we're here to follow up on your sermon from Sunday. Uh, Not this Sunday, but a week ago. (laughs) Yep. By the way, the
1: last sermon we had, very uh, last gathering, we had very special guests um, from very much out of town. Um, They're with uh, missionaries with the Unreached People Group, so we could not record it for security reasons. If you were there, uh, you know how amazing it was. And so, um, yeah, we were super blessed by them. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, we're, so we're, we're kind of, we were out of town last week at marriage retreat and also the pastor's
0: conference at Bethlehem. And so now we're kind of catching up from the previous week. That's right. And you preached a sermon that you got a lot of good feedback on. I benefited from it myself on Jesus confronting and fighting against Satan in the wilderness. Yeah, that's right. During his 40 day fast and the victory he won on our behalf. Amen. Now, we're just going to go three places in this episode. Those are, we're going to tweak a little bit about how you portrayed Satan. Yeah. And then you want to change that a little bit. Yeah. So this is going to be a throwback to what we wish we could have said differently on Sunday. That's right. Um, we want to give a little bit overview of how the scriptures understand Satan in the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Because that will help shape how we respond to Satan in the spiritual world, how we understand it. And then we're going to finish by just giving some practical advice about how to fight against Satan and his kingdom. Awesome. Let's do it. Great man. So let's start out. What do you want to tweak about what you said in your sermon concerning Satan? So at the very end of
1: our passage in Luke chapter 4, there's this ominous, very kind of cliffhanger phrase. And it's basically after all the temptations that ended and Satan got his butt kicked, it says that he left Jesus looking for an opportune time. And so basically the the battle was ended, but the war wasn't over for Satan. And he was going to look for opportunities to come back at Jesus when he's vulnerable um, or seemingly vulnerable and try to mm-hmm. take him down. Because if he could take him down, then he could take everything else down, right? And so Jesus is the hope for all the world. and And so – I try to make the connection with 1 Peter with just this idea that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for an open door for believers to destroy them. And I said stuff like, you know, uh, if you don't know yourself, if you don't grow in your self-awareness of how you're susceptible, uh, guess what? Satan has already done it. He already knows. And although that there's a truth there, I think um, something hit me during this last week as I I heard someone else say something about Satan. And I was thinking – Hey, we're giving Satan too much credit. Hmm. We're giving him too much power. Now, is it possible that Satan does himself um, know these things about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, We don't know his full mental capacities, but he is created. That's right. He is not omniscient. Or omnipotent, in other words, he doesn't have all power, or all knowledge, or he's not everywhere present. That's right. That's a big deal. Omnispatial, or whatever you want to call it, omnipresent. He's not everywhere, so he's limited. And in my sense, is when I read uh, Daniel, it seems like there's levels and hierarchy in this demonic world and the spiritual wor- world. Hmm. And so he's he's got bigger fish to fry than you and I. <laughs> now, I remember when I was in high school reading. Um, you know um uh second corinthians and seeing uh satan kind of targeting um paul and i just had this sense of like i want to live my life in a way where he knows my name hmm. or you know uh or you know when when uh, the sons of Sceva, that's not in corinthians, not in Corinthians, but in acts in the acts. sons of skiba he says you know <laughs> the the demons say hey uh jesus i know and Paul, I know, but who are you, right? Ouch! And I was—I remember as a high schooler, I was like, I want them to know my name. <laughs> I don't know if I still want them to know my name. I, I would love to know, to be, you know, fruitful and faithful in such a way where I'm known in the in the demonic
0: realm. That is but, hardcore for a high schooler to say that. Dude, that's
1: what—that's how I thought, and I think you know, that's just how I was wired. Um, I said stupid things like that, but um, you know. There, there seems to be an intricate system of uh, demonic forces, and collectively they work together to kind of know us and to fight us. Mm-hmm. But it would be probably it would be giving too much power and credit to Satan to say that they are the- he knows these things and he single handedly is attacking you. That's right. Um, but a demonic force may, and so I just wanted to kind of give more clarity on that, but also kind of deflate him. And and probably he was like, ha, ha, ha. They think, you know, you know, if he was even listening, you know, I don't know. Like, so, so again, there it is. We, we just say things. So I think to be more precise, I, I should have said
0: the demonic world yeah, or demonic forces. No, I think a really helpful verse to just frame the whole situation is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against authorities mm-hmm. in the spiritual places. That's right. From Ephesians That's right. six twelve. 12. That's right. Yeah. But I would love to get in and talk a little bit about what the Bible's view is of the spiritual world. Yeah. First of all, it will confront our Western perspective. Mm-hmm. We have a naturalistic worldview. This is a worldview that's difficult for me to grasp, having been raised in a Western education system that t- taught me materialism. Like, in other words, my body and my mind is all there is. There mm-hmm. isn't a world beyond me. That's right. If, yeah. it's not te- if it's not testable,
1: you know, if it's not can't be put under the litmus test of the scientific method, then it therefore can't be
0: real. That's right. And, and not, it doesn't have a cause and effect relationship with those things that do. Yeah, But as you read the Bible, you very quickly learn that this is not the biblical worldview of the authors at all. This is not the world that God presents. He presents a world that is both physical and spiritual. It's populated by material people who are both matter and spirit mm-hmm. and spiritual beings. You can not see mm-hmm. who influence yep. people who live. Yeah. These spiritual beings are both good and evil and they seem to conflict with one another and they seem to be present everywhere. Now at some point, and the Bible isn't totally clear on how it happened. Several of these spiritual beings rebelled against him. hmm. Satan is the first rebel, the greatest rebel, our greatest foe. Mm -hmm. But there seems to be vast numbers who have joined him. Mm -hmm. And the Bible has this, presents this view. And it seems to organize these beings as having authority over geographic areas. Mm -hmm. You brought up the example of Daniel. And if you remember the angel Gabriel was coming to him. And said, I could not reach you sooner because mm-hmm. the prince of Persia restrained me. That's right. So there seems to be some sort of spiritual authority over Persia who actually even delayed Gabriel in arriving to speak to Daniel. Yep, yep. So the view we get is not that we're doing one on one combat specifically with Satan, but that we live in a world where there's multiple spiritual beings. Mm-hmm who do influence us and they seem to have geographical authority and assignment. And therefore I think it's worth noting that our particular culture and areas, idols are in somehow have a relationship probably with the demonic forces mm-hmm. that are where we live. Mm-hmm. So our society's values, the way we misuse sex, money and power, which are just idols in every culture are Propelled are influenced by more than just material causes. There's dark spiritual powers mm-hmm. and influences behind those things.
1: It's more, it's more than just the sinful hearts of the people who are spreading it and leading it. Mm-hmm. They're also
0: being influenced by demonic forces behind them. That's right. know yeah. that's right. And this view goes back to the Old Testament. Here's Moses speaking in Deuteronomy 32. The Israelites stirred Yahweh to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Wow, did you guys catch that? That's a that's a crazy passage right there. Yeah. And so in, so, so there's, there's a turf war for influence between Yahweh and demonic forces among his people. His people are the prize that they're fighting over. Yahweh is a true King that deserves their allegiance. And his people are forsaking Yahweh are forsaking our God. And they're instead offering their allegiance to what Moses says isn't what you imagine are demons. He says you're offering your allegiance to demons Yeah, when yeah, you buy into the idols of your culture and the influence of your culture.
1: I mean, there's other passages that seem to suggest that the gods of, of Egypt were, weren't just figments of their imagination, but were actual demonic forces that probably manifest themselves at some level with supernatural power mm-hmm. to cause the, the beginning of those cult religions they weren't just sitting there in a room making up random things. They probably had encounters with these demonic forces with terrible power. Yes, and therefore they they were they were influencing, um, you know, uh, Egypt and
0: receiving glory as they worshipped them and trusted them and followed them. That's right. It's crazy. It's crazy, and I think the takeaway from this is that every believer should be aware that they are in the middle of a turf battle for influence. Can you explain that for those who are not familiar with that terminology, like turf war? Yeah, so the Old Testament view is that there's different kingdoms, and these kingdoms have spiritual forces that are reigning over them. Mm -hmm. And Israel was the kingdom where God reigned over. And Israel was supposed to expand its influence and power over these other nations, so that Yahweh would become the king of these nations instead of those dark spiritual powers. And the nations would attack Israel and try to defeat Israel all throughout the Old Testament. Now we're in the New Testament and things have changed a little bit. It's less focused on specific land areas and more specific to humans and their hearts. Hmm. But there's a battle for every human heart about who will be king of that heart. Will it be Jesus or will it be a dark spiritual being? Hmm. And there's a war for influence and power over it. Those people, and there's a war going on for my heart and your heart, Sam, and your and everyone's heart who's listening. You're caught in the middle of a struggle for your heart, Mm -hmm. and the people you meet every day. There's a war for their heart, and and so we we can't think that we're we're in some sort of neutral setting or some sort of sterile setting where. We can just talk about the Bible, or and just just not worry about you know our, our culture is just a neutral neutral place to be. No, our culture is a dark place to be. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about this that the church is the alternative to the culture, hmm. and that God through His Word and spiritual forces are battling for every heart, and it is a battle for that heart. Hmm. And you can think of that as a, as a turf war, as a battle for control or yeah. the allegiance of that heart.
1: And yet, as you emphasize the heart, which the New Testament does, there's still some sort of geographical reigning mm-hmm. going on here, which is a side note, which is important, why in the Old Testament you see so often they're surprised that Yahweh has power over um, other nations or when they're in exiled. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, because the, the Eastern... Um, min- mentality uh, the um, is it NEA? Near, Near Eastern? Ancient Near East. Ancient, A- Ancient Near East um, mentality worldview was the fact that, that that there would be certain gods over certain areas. That's why that, that famous passage where they're like, hey, well they're the gods of this area. If we fight them here, we'll win. And they lose, right? And and yet, uh, when you look at the uh, the New Testament even in the passage you alluded to earlier in Ephesians 6, Against, uh re- not wrestling against flesh and blood, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It seems to me, if you if we bring in Daniel again, that you, we could probably say with um, pretty much hundred percent certainty that there are certain demonic forces that reign in Minneapolis. Yes, I would agree with that. That, that there's probably some sort of level of hierarchy, and so Minneapolis, although we'll have. Um, similarities uh, in their idols and weaknesses uh, um, with other cities. There's going to be something unique about Minneapolis. And so the church has to take authority and fight against the demonic forces
0: here. Yes. And what that looks like most, I want to be more very specific, is Ephesians also refers to the church as a temple, right? A sacred space where God dwells, where he reigns, as opposed to where the flesh reigns and forces opposed to him reign. Here's Michael Heiser in his book, the unseen realm. And this is what he says that wherever believers are and gather the spiritual ground they occupy is sanctified amid the powers of darkness. Mm. That's right. So when we're gathering on a Sunday and we're coming together in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, like the darkness is being beaten back from that room. Mm -hmm. More specifically from us.
1: Yeah. 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 And not just, not just Sundays. Wherever the church goes, right? Yep. We're God's presence. Uh, we're God's presence mobile. Mm-hmm. As we spread out, as we
0: live, when your miss- missional community gathers and goes out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're you're pushing you're pushing back dark spiritual influence and bringing in the influence of God where you are.
1: I don't want to overly individualize it because the church is fully manifests the presence of God fully together. But also, like if I were to leave this room right now and go down down the street to a restaurant here. I'm bringing the presence of God where I go. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a I have a place to push back the darkness wherever I go. That's right. Um, and where you go to work or play or live. There, there's like outposts of God's kingdom mm-hmm. and light posts everywhere. Yes. And spread out. That's right. That's exactly right. We want to wrap up this second part on basically wrapping our heads more about Satan's kingdom and his ways and understanding nature of uh, the demonic more by just highlighting the fact that, you know, Satan comes like an angel in the light. What I mean by that is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians eleven, fourteen 14 says, even Satan disguises, disguises himself as an angel of light. If you look at church, uh, the history of art regarding this temptation of Jesus or the trials or the test of Jesus in Luke chapter four and also Matthew four, you'll see that in the very beginning, art seemed to depict Satan as a very grotesque Demonic figure when I say demon, uh, demonic, I mean very, very explicitly with like the Hollywood cartoon-esque horns, wings mm-hmm. and so forth. But as um, history kind of moved on, Satan became more portrayed as a good-looking kind of cunning figure mm-hmm. with maybe some clawed feet just to, to rem- remind the the viewer, hey, this is Satan. Yeah. Don't get it mixed with Jesus, right? Um, and I think that's instructive for us because for many of us, we think that when Satan tempts, he's going to come at us like, like a gargoyle, Mm -hmm. you know, like this gross lizard. Um, and in fact he could, but yet it seems that he is cunning and charming and doesn't come like that, Mm -hmm. right? You may think that he never comes at you or demons never come at you, but in fact they do all the time, but they disguise themselves. In angels as angels of light they disguise themselves as sheep you know um, they disguise themselves in ways that seem palatable to us and charming and attractive to us i mean imagine if you had um, uh, satan himself or some demon uh, a strong demon come up to you in like a gargoyle form and tempt you with something you wouldn't want it you would just run mm-hmm. in terror and so they're going to come to you slick. And so some modern day adaptations of um, Jesus's temptation in the desert, um, in the wilderness uh, on, on film can often be him like in a suit, like looking very sleek and nice. And, and you, you and I have talked about Milton and his Paradise Lost. Satan yes. looks like a baller, right? Seems like a smooth talking, you know, whatever guy. And I think that's really important for us to remember um, is that sometimes temptations, or most of the times, I would say, temptations are going to come very seductively and attractively, and may even have a guy uh, have some sort of spin of being Christian and being godly, and that's yet right. it's deeply twisted. That's
0: right. Because if if it appears wicked and evil, yeah, you're not going to be drawn to do it. Right. Right. But if it appears good, yeah then you're going, be, you're going to feel drawn to, to towards that sort of evil. And and yep. so, yeah, Satan almost always operates in the realm of deception. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Do we want to talk now about how to fight him?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Let's okay. talk about how to fight, as you guys just heard my boxer notification go off. Is that what that was? It, it's a tradition. You know, every single <laughs> podcast we record, we have to have some sort of distraction to come off. Um. <clears throat> so I talked about, do you know how to fight Satan or do you... You, you, the Word of God is what Jesus models for us as one of the primary ways to fight Satan in his lies, uh, fight the darkness. But one thing that I failed to do is is as I talked about how important it is for us to know ourselves, do you then know the scriptures that address the weaknesses that each of us have? And so for instance, I'm given to pride. So um, I early on memorized, um first corinthians fifteen ten right uh, i worked harder than all the apostles it was not me but the grace of god working in me first corinthians four twenty right um what do you have that you have not received if you receive it why do you boast mm-hmm. why do i have those memorized it's because i have the whole bible memorized no i only have some of the bible memorized and i especially memorized the ones that i knew that i was most susceptible to so mm-hmm. my whole point is it's not just important for you to know that the word of god is there to fight you need to have your ammunition Marked and ready That's good. for specific attacks. Now, you can't be ready for every attack possible. It would take years to do that. And, and, and perhaps you can get there one day by God's grace. But do you know the way you are wired and the way you're disposed to? So like if you're prone to anxiety or greed, do you know? So for, let's say greed. Matthew 6, do you know um, where your treasure is. That's where your heart is also. Um, uh, do you know these passages off the tip of your tongue so that when you're feeling tempted to, um, to greed, you can fight mm-hmm. or whether it's lust or anxiety or fear of man, you need to know yourself and also know this specific ammunition to address those specific battles.
0: That's right. Another thing that's really helpful is as far as knowing yourself is don't wait until you're at the moment. Where you feel like you're about to break to start fighting. You can't then you can't you even can't fight then. you're too far fight. gone. You've already lost. You've already given yourself up to influence. Yep. I heard one pastor talk about this. He won't even use the internet while his wife is not in the house. Yep. That's good. That's it. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to do that, but that's an example of what I, of what I mean by fight temptation upstream. When you start to feel those first triggers to know you're heading in a direction to do something you don't want to do. Yep. Don't wait till it gets to the point where you feel like you can't resist it anymore to resist it. Yeah. Start fighting right away. Right. So take take steps way ahead of when you actually are about to stumble or fall.
1: So so it's it's not only do you fight um when you start getting the first signs of attack, that's when it's easiest, when it's weakest. Mm-hmm. So I, I have this illustration kinda of imagining like a, a baby snake crawling into your house. It's like, oh kinda cute. Right, But if you see the snake and you don't address the snake, it will eventually grow up to be a monster that will devour you and you don't have the power for. So the moment you see the snake, you cut it off. You confess it to your DNA. You share. You fight it with scripture. You don't coddle it. You don't consider it. You don't look at it. You just run and flee and you kill it. Now, the second thing is not only when you see signs of attack, but you also know historically how you're attacked. So imagine a battlefield or or a war and you have a castle and you're like, hey, well, every spring they attack this wall. (laughs) And that's what happens. And so, you know, and so that pastor is not actually what he's doing. He's preemptively fighting by historical means, like uh, historically how he can fall. So he's not being attacked in that moment. He just knows that he probably will be attacked. So somewhere for me, when my wife goes out, tonight is a perfect night. She's going to go out and watch a movie um, with um, some friends. And so I know that. And so I'm preemptively, I may not be attacked at all, but I often am attacked when I'm alone at night. So I'm going to talk to my DNA. Hey, this is what's going on tonight. I'm going to make sure I plan ahead what I'm going to do tonight so that I'm not caught um, sleeping. And so, yeah, those
0: Mm -hmm. are two great things to do. That's great. I want to talk about one more. And this might feel a little new for you, but... The way we described it, the way the Bible describes it, is that we are under attack from our culture. That the influences we have from our culture are not good; they're drawing us away from the Lord. And I think I saw some t- statistic that you see like ten thousand advertisements a day.
1: Yeah, something yeah,
0: like that. That's right. Like think about how much influence you get from the culture, and it's and our culture is getting worse. It's not. It's not uncommon to see. Lewd sexual images or acts in movies, TV, all sorts of things. Like there, there is more and more inf- destructive influences coming to us. Yep. And one way to fight against that is to be in a community within your city where you have influence from another source.
1: Huh.
0: So when you're coming, when you're actively participating in your church, uh-huh. You're being influenced by the word of God. You're being influenced by the Holy Spirit. You're being influenced by believers. Yeah. Rather than the demonic influences you get all day out there. And that's one way that God is keeping you loyal to himself. To to be separated from the church is dangerous, just like it is when an animal gets separated from the herd, mm. because you lose the influence, the godly influences you receive in the church, and you're given over to purely the influences of the culture. Mm forget something you just said it's kind of like
1: you know every day we have a certain amount of inputs and they're either going to be godly christ-centered from the kingdom or from the darkness from darkness Mm -hmm. and we're overwhelmed through social media through media any kind of form of media through people we work with with darkness yes and so to be healthy you have to have more inputs that are godly than than evil. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's part of being part of a church. You're surrounding yourself with more and more reminders of what matters. The true kingdom values. That's you right. Know, um, and, and so forth.
0: And in, in the Bible the symbol the, the activity we do at a church that points to our active participation in the church is the Lord's Supper. Like the idea is that those who are taking the Lord's Supper are actively participating in the church. Now I want to read a verse right now that I've never considered before today. And it's really quite powerful when you consider it in light of what we're talking about. Here's first Corinthians 10 20. No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Here, here's the verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. So the Lord's supper and the cup of demons. You cannot partic- take of the table, of the Lord, And the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So Paul seems to be saying you're going to be under one influence or another influence. You're going to be eating at one table or another table. Yeah, that's good. And if you choose the church, if you commit to the church, if you participate in the life of the church, the Lord's influence will come over you Mm. more powerfully than the culture's influence. Mm. This is one reason we pursue people who are drifting from us because whose influence are they under if they're not being influenced by their brothers and sisters and by the Holy spirit and by Mm -hmm. the word within the context of the church. That's powerful. And so we, we fight individually by knowing ourselves and knowing Mm -hmm. the passages, like you said, and we fight together by being a city within a city, a city where God rules. And he's the one where there's who influences us rather than the world and the CEOs and the advertising companies and the porn industry Instead, God rules here, and His words rule here. That's good. And we influence one another, and the darkness is pushed back. Yeah. And when other people leave the city of man and come to the city of God, they leave being under the influences of the culture, mm-hmm. and come into the influence of the church. Satan's hold on them is severed. That's great. So that's really helpful. Great. Was there anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I just hope you guys heard that. That's
1: that's a powerful call on why the Lord's Supper has significant. Um, not only significance in our life uh, uh, of just thinking about Jesus, but also significance in how we fight to, to walk in the truth and walk in the light and continue mm-hmm. to grow deeper into that rather than get sucked back into the city of
0: the world. That's right. Yeah. And I'll just end by saying that this is not a equal battle, Satan against Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus has won. Mm-hmm. He's dealt him the mortal wound. That's good. And he will be dead before too long. Awesome. Amen. So we love you, family. All right.